Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, hello everyone. Thanks for listening. Today we are joined by three ladies who are going to talk about marriage. Jennifer Wood and Lonnie Scholar have served in our premarital and marriage mentors program at church and just served marriages in other ways informally. And Elizabeth Hill has served in mentoring women for years. And they're just all examples of godly women and godly wives. So I'm thankful for your example, ladies, and I'm excited to hear your wisdom on this topic. Can each of you introduce yourselves? My name is Lonnie Scollard. I have been married for 48 years and involved in marriage mentoring for about the last four years here at uh, Cornerstone. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Hill, and um, I'm going to tell the story of how I met my husband. Um, I met Tommy on the mission field when I was around 24, and he was probably about 29. And we happened to sit next to each other on the on a plane trip going over to Haiti. He was dressed in a full suit and carried a leather briefcase and had a book that could translate easy French to Creole. We talked about that book and then he he told me that the reason that he was on this trip is that a trip that he had wanted to make to visit his Compassion International child had gotten canceled because of some turmoil in in a country. Um, And so that got my attention. And um, my roommate and I had just joined a trip, uh, joined the trip of some Baptist missionaries that were going over, and we worked together to build a church. So this fun, life-changing trip, Um, was how Tommy and I met and we continued to write each other and we got married a year later and we've been married 30 years and we have nine kids and four grandchildren. Hi I'm Jennifer Wood and I am married to Michael Wood and we have been married for 36 years. Um, We have been doing marriage mentoring all this hasn't been official but off and on for I think like 10 or 12 years and then at that that's kind of what got me into hanging out with younger ladies I don't really like to call it mentoring because then that makes me feel like there's pressure I'd rather just (laughs) say let's go get coffee and that kind of thing we have three kids and grandchild number nine to be coming anytime now well I wanted to start with um just talking about our relationship with the Lord, because many wise people will say, and pastors, writers, mentors will say, the most vital foundation to a thriving marriage is your relationship with the Lord. So I just wondered if you could expand on that. Um, why is it true? And and how have you found it to be true in your own life? Um, I totally agree with um, what you were talking about, that it's very important. I really just don't see how you could have a thriving marriage without the Lord. Marriage is so much more than a relationship between a man and a woman. It is a covenant between the man, the woman, and God, where where the man and the woman become one flesh through the Spirit of God, as it says in Malachi 2.15. Did he not make them one with a 
portion of the Spirit in their union. This covenant is established by God for His glory. For those of us who are married, one of the best ways we can give glory to God is by walking out our marriage in a God-centered way. For me, my relationship with the Lord has been the cornerstone of my marriage. God let me know early in Michael and I's relationship that he was the one I was to marry. And by letting me know this, he gave me the faith I needed to walk through the trials that were to come. And through his word, he gave me the faith to know that he never calls us to walk down a path without giving us the means to walk that path. And you can see this in every story of the Bible. He called people, his people, to the impossible, which became possible only because God himself was doing the work and supplying the means. Yes, I agree too. Um, there, there's a song that Rich Mullins sings that says, um, he's, he says, I did not make it, but it is making me. It is the very word of God and not the invention of any man. And I feel like God's word has, has made me who I am. I feel like God has spoken to me through his word about how to love my husband. So spending time with God, it, it changes my emotions and my actions. So I have words of God on, on my computer, typed above my computer, and it, it's the love chapter. It says, love does not behave unseemly. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. Love is patient and kind. Love is not puffed up. And those are just some of the things the Bible says that's just so very practical about. I love my husband. Well, what does that look like? And so the word of God is something I, I desperately need and depend on every day. Adding to that, I, I agree with um, my friends here. And I guess I would like to say just uh, at the start, uh, back in 1973, when we got married, there was no such thing as premarital counseling. It may have lasted five minutes if we had it. There was no marriage classes. There were, the mentoring pretty much was your family, your mom or your mother-in-law or whoever. Uh, so when I go back to look at Genesis 3 and look at how Satan deceived Eve, you see that the very first thing that happened is she made a major decision without consulting Adam. The result was blaming each other and also blaming God. And when God spoke to Eve, he said in Genesis 3.16, your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So when Tom and I got married, I had already been working for several years, and I was a very independent woman. And those early days of learning to submit were very difficult, and it was very hard to be patient. I thought I had all the answers, and it was difficult for me to wait and be patient. Tom was a thinker uh, in my flesh. I didn't really want to submit. I thought my ideas were better. And as I got into the Word and prayed, God began showing me how to die to myself and trust Him to listen and to be patient and to ask Tom what he thought so that we could come to a decision together. If our individual relationships with the Lord are being cultivated, then our relationship as a couple will grow as we apply the Scriptures. 
And we have found that uh, in our mentoring experiences, most couples uh, get involved with the busyness of life, having children, and that has crowded out time with each other and time with the Lord. And so we feel like that's a really important thing to have an individual relationship with the Lord, but also as a couple together. That's helpful. I think, you know, for you, Elizabeth and Lonnie, sharing how your relationship with the Lord really led you to see areas you needed to grow and change, you know, with whether it's what love looks like or what relating to your husband looks like in submission. If you don't have that relationship with the Lord, you you won't know, oh, this is something I need to grow in. This is what love looks like. This is how um, I need to be patient and and wait for my husband. So that's helpful. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about next was prioritizing your relationship with your husband. So I think most Christians would agree the marriage should be a priority. Your husband should be a priority, but it's hard. Like you said, Lonnie, with kids and life and work, relationships that seem more demanding, conflict, it can be hard to do that. So I just would love for you guys to talk about um, some practical ways that we can pursue our husbands and prioritize him. Well, when we um, had had our third child, um, through a a series of circumstances, uh, we moved away from our family in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, in addition to that, which I didn't realize beforehand, we arrived in Richmond, Virginia, and I think we got there on a Friday, and Tom said, well, I'll, I'll see you on Friday. He left on Monday, and he was traveling all week. So that was a quite an interesting time of adjustment. And so with him traveling, it was important um, for us to limit the kids' activities to one um, sport or lesson for each season, and then to make the weekends the family time. And this made weekends a whole lot more manageable, and we could be together as a family. And uh, we also traded babysitting with our friends because we didn't have family to support us there. And so um, we traded babysitting for date nights and weekend getaways. Uh, It was really a win-win situation. We had our best friends that had three kids the same ages as ours. And so they loved getting together and have big sleepovers, either at our friend's house so we could get away or at our house so they could get away. And it was an affordable uh, way to have date nights and weekend getaways so that we could work on our relationship too. And another way was for us, for me, to employ my kids and teach them how to help me around the house doing chores, which gave me more time to be uh, fresh and maybe make a special meal or do something so that Tom would feel after eating out all week, he would feel like, even though that was the last thing I wanted to do was cook another meal, (laughs) he would feel like, oh, this is good, this is homemade, this is special, and we would all sit down and have a family meal. Well, as I got this question from Bethany, um, my first response was that at this stage of life, after 30 years of marriage, it doesn't seem a challenge to put him first in my priorities. He just is my number one priority. He is my favorite person. Maybe that has taken time to develop. We are a team and we need each other to make life meaningful and to make it run smoothly. 
And as I say that now, it's a blessing because it wasn't always the case. But I'm thankful to say that now it it doesn't seem challenging to put him first in in my life and all that I do. But when it was really a stressful time and busy, um, I desperately looked for moments when we could be alone. I remember just looking going up to the bathroom while he's getting ready, even if it was 15 minutes of time, we would talk. And one thing we do love doing together is listening to music. He has awesome collection of jazz music, and we we might get in bed and just listen to music or sing even worship songs together or familiar songs that we love. Yes, and I agree with the rest that... uh prioritizing our marriage is very important and also very hard, especially in the middle of raising your kids. Um, Both Michael and I feel that this is one of the best things you can actually do for your kids. It gives order to the family, which gives security to the kids. Even though your kids will fight you on this as they do all boundaries, (laughs) it is really what makes them feel secure. Um, and when they were young, something that helped both of us prioritize our marriage was having very regular bedtimes. This gave us time to be each other with each other without interruption. And then a couple of things I did as a wife, like you and Elizabeth going to the talking to him while he was getting ready, I would try and greet him as he came home and just follow him around the house while he did all of his just walked into the house stuff and find out how his day went. And I, when our kids were little, I would stop whatever I was doing and go see him, and that gave us a chance to connect, even if it was only for a few minutes. Um, also, we process and think very differently, so I like to ask him what he thinks or his opinions on things, just because I know it will give me a different perspective and maybe help me understand some things better. Um, But I think what really helps me the most is to pray for him. I really don't know how to explain this in um, words, but somehow praying for him engages that marriage covenant that we were talking about earlier. It engages the spirit in your relationship with your husband and the oneness that you have with him. That's really helpful. I like all those suggestions. I'm like, oh, I need to implement some of those. Um, Okay, what about specifically just cultivating and showing love to our husbands? In Titus 2, it talks about older women helping younger women love their husbands, also their children, but we're talking about husbands today. And the word used there is about tender, warm, affectionate love, not like duty or friendship love, which is used in other places in scripture. So it's a specific type of love. Um, And so I just wondered, what are some things that hinder or cultivate love for a husband? And and how can we grow? Um, For me, loving my husband in this way sometimes feels like a stream that flows easily. And other times it feels like a stagnant pool. At these times, I find it hard and very humbling. It makes it very clear to me that outside of Jesus, I have nothing but emptiness and selfish love, and I have to throw myself on the mercy of the Lord and beg for help. 
I think unforgiveness is um, a big thing that can stop the flow of love. This is a hard one because it's not something that you can just like switch a flip and say, oh, it's done and move on. Um, it takes time and lots of discussions with the Lord. Now, there are times when it's hard just because I want to be stubborn and angry and I don't want to forgive. But there are times when my heart just really, truly, truly desires to forgive. And it still just seems to take time for my heart to catch up with my desires. And another thing that I have found that can stop the flow is dwelling on my husband's shortcomings or failures. I think it's probably much better for me to recall all the times he's been patient with me when I have failed or to be mindful about what I'm doing or how I am loving him rather than worrying about what he's doing. One of the biggest ways I have found to help my love for my husband to grow is to get my eyes off him and onto the Lord. When I read the word and ponder on his immeasurable love and grace that he has poured out all over his people and me, it helps to open up that flow. When I know that I am well loved by the Lord, it makes it much easier for me to love others because I'm living out of his stream instead of my own stagnant pool. A quick list of the helpful things would be praying for him, being affectionate, being kind in tone and words, encouragement, being intimate, doing fun things together. The hurtful things would be mean words, cold withdrawal, comparing, criticizing. I realized one of my problems was communication. I really couldn't bring anything up until I was angry. But over time, I realized he had really good advice. I have a picture of Snoopy with the sign over his head, the doctor is in. <laughs> and that is what Tommy has been for me through the years. His words seemed to get right to the heart of the matter. Simple words, reminders really like, think about how hard it is for us not to sin, and no wonder it is hard for our children. He is my best friend and my lover, and what a great combination that is. I've trusted him with my whole self, mind, and body. Again, I agree with um, the other two ladies that are participating that uh, prayer is a very important part of um of the marriage relationship and just having your husband be the priority. And um, uh, many times through prayer, I, the Lord has just prompted me to do something or to say something or maybe put a note in his, his lunch that indicates to me how much, or indicates to him how much I love him. And um, it's funny, just a few years ago, we were cleaning out a lot of memorabilia, and a lot of those notes were in his memorabilia. So I think it meant a lot to him. Um, but I would say that knowing your husband and what is important to him is uh, really key. And chances are, if you're like me, his priorities and yours are going to be really very different. And, uh, for example, my mom was um, a, a stay-at-home mom, and her standard for housekeeping was top-notch. 
And so that was my model I used going into marriage. It was a very high bar to reach. Um, but Tom worked in other people's homes, and so he saw immaculate homes, and he saw, you know, homes that look like hoarders. And so to him, coming home to a, a perfect home wasn't that important. He would rather that I, he come home to a clean home, of course, but he would rather that I still have time for him. And so I learned not to exhaust myself trying to make everything perfect and uh, exactly opposite of what he experienced that day, but just to be ready, having the house decent, but be ready to spend time with him. And that was the most important thing to him. And so I think that, you know, no matter what you're dealing with, the Lord is our counselor and the Holy Spirit will guide us and they will show us, he will show us exactly what is your husband's need and it's going to be different from every everyone else's and I think that's the one thing that sometimes we make mistakes in thinking oh if I do it like this person did it or I read in this book it's going to work and really God is the one who knows your husband and you and he will teach you and he will guide you that's so good because you guys are all sharing good biblical wisdom that is helpful for for everyone, I think. But it's true that when it comes to applying it to your specific husband, we need to know them and know what blesses them. And then we just need the Holy Spirit to to apply these biblical principles in a way that serves them. So that, that was really helpful. Um, okay. So this is just a more general question uh, of just what are some lies or temptations or sins that you think are common to a wife based upon your own life or just friendship with others in your mentoring or counseling? I think one of the uh, biggest temptations that I faced and and still fight from time to time is just comparing uh, my situation with someone else's, whether it be a relative or a friend or a neighbor. And unfortunately, it has gotten so much more complicated with the introduction of social media. And so now people that we consider our quote-unquote friends, who we really don't know, but we see all of their great posts on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, really can tempt us to be discontent. And um, this leads to disappointment and um, discontentment. And in Philippians, Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So notice that he says learned. It doesn't say that it comes naturally. So when I'm tempted to compare my life with another, I try to begin thanking God for all the good things that he has blessed me with and thank him for, for providing a godly man. And then I just thank him for how God has brought us together, how Tom, for Tom's character, for his faithfulness to me and our family, for providing for us, for working so hard, for planning fun things. And that brings me to a place of contentment. And then it doesn't matter what everyone else's life is like. I'm content. I realized that Tommy would not be controlled like a puppet. He is his own man. My anger does not change him. He's very patient with our children, and this is one of his best qualities. So it's ironic that this is one thing that I wanted to change most about him when we were younger parents. Now I'm glad that it didn't work. 
<laughs> Instead of resenting him, I began realizing that I can come alongside to help him succeed as a good father. I can bring things up to talk about, not in anger, but with gentleness. A wife can cling to her husband. A wife can blame her husband for their problems. But she must learn to love Jesus for her own sake and obey his word to trust and obey. The devil sometimes whispers to me, this trouble is Tommy's fault. But I say to the devil, if we run our lives, then we go down together because no matter what befalls me, I will choose love. A big thing that I have found for me and for a lot of the young ladies that um, I talk to is that you have to do everything and be everything. Um, and if you listen to what's out there as far as being like the best mom or the best wife, you have to work full time while being a full time stay at home mom while sending your kids to public school and being the president of the PTA, while being the best homeschool mom, while fighting for every social justice cause, while leading five Bible studies and feeding the nations, and on and on and on. <laughs> it's all out there. So um, on the practical side of this, what I think is very helpful is to know what your capacity is. We all have different capacities. Some women can wear several hats at the same time and wear them very well. They absolutely amaze me of everything they can get done in a day, but that is not me. I am not one of them. I can only wear a few hats at, a, at one time. And being aware of this helps me to wear well the hats that I do, we do wear. It's a tongue twister. Um, but I think the best way to combat all these sins, lies, and temptation is to get in God's Word. He has written us this big, glorious, amazing love story. And I think of it as this huge, beautiful tapestry that He's woven. And when we belong to Him, we get woven into that story. We become a part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. We become a part of his glorious story. Our marriage is so much more than just us. It is about revealing, it is about God revealing his story in and through us. That's super helpful. I, I can definitely feel that point, Jennifer, just that you, it feels like, oh, you have to do all the things. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that tapestry image. It's like, well, what are the threads God has called you to do right now? Like, what are, what are you supposed to be sewing and weaving into this tapestry? It can't be everything. And, you know, it's going to look different in different seasons and for different people. And that's okay. So that, that's a helpful Thing. All of those were helpful, guys. Um, so to end, I'd just love to hear you guys describe a time where you've seen God's faithfulness in your marriage. Um, I would say when he redeemed my husband. We were walking through a really hard time, and I did not know what else to do but pray. And, and then suddenly this guy who knew Michael's cousin was prompted by the Lord to stop by Michael's office and invite him to a Bible study. And Michael said yes. And God not only redeemed him, but he made him a man after God's heart. 
He started reading his Bible, going to church. He decided we needed to go to a different church, so we started going to a biblically sound church, which taught us so much. And the Lord just kept putting one mentor after another in his path and turned him into a shepherd and a man of prayer. It was just, oh my gosh, absolutely amazing. Beyond my wildest expectations that I ever expected. I told the Lord I was just expecting a fish and that he gave us an overflowing boat. I still, when I think about it, I just, I'm still so amazed. And not only that, he gave us the years, he gave us back the years that the locust has eaten by pouring an abundance of grace on our family. So don't ever, ever doubt the Lord. He is so more than able. He is all about making the impossible possible and making those dead in sin alive in Christ. Can you, what, what year of marriage was that when that happened? Uh, nine years in. Yeah. Well, there was a significant change that occurred in my outlook around 15 years ago. It was not at the beginning of my marriage when I was having baby after baby. It was towards the middle years when I started seeing the kids grow up. Maybe it was a midlife crisis. I'd been looking around with dissatisfaction and complaint about everything for a long time and had a breaking point. This sin pattern was destroying the love that I felt for my husband and kids. God showed that this could all be taken away in an instant and the status quo that I was living was actually blessing and protection I was convicted, and when I started being more thankful, I started really falling in love with my husband and seeing him through new eyes. In our difficulties, Tommy was showing his strength over and over, and this just built my love and my confidence in him and the Lord. When I read this question, I wondered which one of the deep valleys I could to um, talk about but because um, there have been many, and the Lord has been faithful to bring us through many. But um, the most recent one is the one that I thought um, I would talk about, and that is that in 2013, um, our son-in-law uh, passed away in an, in an accident. And it was um, devastating news to us. He had only been married to our daughter for three months, and it was it rocked our family um at the exact same time our other daughter was having serious marital issues and so we were trying to figure out how to comfort both of these daughters and tom being such a sensitive and caring dad um, it affected him physically and he ended up um, with some pretty significant health issues and so I remember sitting on the bed one morning, and he was having a, an episode, and I just started crying, and I was like, I'm just so angry. You know, I was just so angry about this whole situation. Uh, of course, the daughter who lost her husband couldn't help it. Um, I, I personally felt like the one who was having marital problems could, and, you know, and it was just really making me angry and I felt like all of this culti cultivated Tom's issues his health issues 
And the Lord really started speaking to me about my attitude and um, just reassuring me that he was going to walk with us through this valley. And so during this time, um, especially I can recall one day uh, we were in the hospital and uh, Tom was not happy to be there yet one more day. And um, we just started thinking, going back and thinking through all the times that God was faithful to us. And remember this, you know, and actually we could go back to like three weeks into our marriage when Tom knocked his tooth out, helped trying to help my dad fixing his lawnmower. <laughs> and so uh, we just walked through how God brought us through that and just a number of situations and began thanking him. And that really was um, a helpful exercise. And in the following days, um, the Lord just really was our stronghold. And we clung to each other, and we, as a couple, clung to him. And what was really amazing through that time was there was rarely a day where we were both down in the dumps. One day I would be down and he would lift me up. The other day he would be down and I would lift him up uh, through something that we read or scripture we read or a song that came to mind or something. And it just reminds me uh, of Hebrews 10:23 that says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. And we just learned together to hold on to him that he is our hope. Man, those are all so encouraging. I think that's going to encourage people who are listening right now. I actually wanted to share one because I, um, a couple weeks ago, was talking to a friend about this, and it reminded me of God's faithfulness to us in our marriage, and I think it's a common experience. And so an area that's always been a challenge for us has been just seasons with Kevin's work, and I just think that's common, just you know, a husband will go through discouragement, frustration, exhaustion, burnout, all of that. So we've been through several cycles of this in 13 years of marriage. And it can seem like it's very counterproductive to your marriage because your husband's like struggling and it's not always fun. And I remember one year, like at the seven year mark, thinking of the phrase seven year itch. And we were out on a date and he was discouraged. And I'm like, this is not fun. This is not romantic. It might have been, even been like an anniversary date. And I was just like, this is, this is not fun. Like marriage is not fun right now. Um, but 13 years in, looking back um, of these seasons, I, I've seen the Lord be faithful in two ways. One is just I, we've both grown. And the Lord has really used this to grow Kevin in maturity and faith and we go through these cycles again, but it's, it doesn't look the same. Like he's just, he pursues the Lord and, um, he's just grown a lot as a man. And I think it's helped me grow as a wife. Just like, I, I was not naturally good at knowing how to encourage him or help him, you know, and like, what words should I use? And so I've, it's really helped me learn him, like what serves him in those moments. It may not actually be words, <laughs> you know, like sometimes he just can't take in a bunch of words. Um, 
but also growing and communicating in helpful ways and just serving him in those seasons and just growing in compassion. I'm not naturally compassionate at all. And so I think it's helped me just put myself in his shoes and be like, okay, what is it like to spend 10 hours and it just feel frustrating and like you're bumping your head on a wall. Um, and so I think the Lord has grown me as a wife and just in Christ likeness as we've gone through these seasons. And then the second way is just, we've always seen God come through. Like he, 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 he leaves us stewing in it longer than we like, but like he always provides something kind of miraculous. Um, and so I hope that encourages wives because I feel like I've talked to a lot of women in my age group and this is kind of a, a recurring theme too. So I thought I'd share that because um, I was reminded of it recently talking to my friend. Um, okay, to end, I wanted to recommend a book that... Um, you marriage mentor folks have used. It's called um, Marriage Matters, and it's written by a biblical counselor um, with the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Kevin and I just went through this book with a couple, and it is so good. It's so helpful. It points you to the Lord. Um, it's just, you can tell he, this guy has counseled people in real life situations, but he also just knows the Bible so well. So we can recommend that book if you want to... Um, just maybe read something to encourage you in your marriage. Um, and also we have marriage mentoring available as we've talked about. It's a program where you, you're matched with a couple and you meet for a specific amount of meetings, usually around four, but that's flexible. And it's just, here's what it says on the website about it. It says marriage mentoring is based on the belief that there are many couples who have a good foundation for their relationship, but would benefit from a more experienced couple who can help them strengthen their foundation and develop a plan for long-term growth toward an increasingly healthy marriage. So that's a great, that, that sounds great. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, you can go to cckchurch.com and go to connect. And I think it's couples ministry. And there's like a link that you can sign up if you are interested in that. And then finally, I do want to say, um, we've had two previous wisdom for wives podcasts. Um, Lonnie and Jennifer have been on the last one and then another set of ladies from our counseling ministry on the one previous so if you want to go back they're in the fall i'm not exactly sure which ones they are but they're usually september or november but they're wisdom for wives and wisdom for wives number two if you want to listen to more from ladies like these thanks for listening